0: Good morning, everybody. Um, We're going to be um, reading or looking at the last part of James chapter 5. But um, I'll read this first. A man's daughter had asked the local pastor to come and pray with her father. When the pastor arrived, he found a man lying in bed with his head propped up on two pillows and an empty chair beside his bed. The priest assumed that the old fellow had been informed of his visit. I guess you were expecting me, he said. No, who are you? I'm the new associate at your local church, the pastor replied. I saw the empty chair and I I figured you knew I was going to show up. Oh yes, the chair, said the bedridden man. Would you mind closing the door? Puzzled, the pastor shut the door. I've never told anyone this, not even my daughter, said the man. But all of my life, I've never known how to pray. At church, I used to hear the pastor talk about prayer, but it always went right over my head. I abandoned any attempts at prayer, the old man continued. Until one day, about four years ago, my best friend said to me, Joe, prayer is just a simple matter of having a conversation with Jesus. Here's what I suggest. Sit down on a chair, place an empty chair in front of you, and in faith, see Jesus on the chair. It's not spooky, because he promised, I will be with you always. Then just speak to him, and listen in the same way you're doing to me right now. So I tried it, and I liked it so much that I did it for a couple of hours every day. I'm careful, though. If my daughter saw me talking to an empty chair, she'd either have a nervous breakdown or send me off to the funny farm. The pastor was deeply moved by the story, encouraged the old guy to continue on his journey. Then he prayed with him and returned to the church. Two nights later, the daughter called to tell the pastor that her daddy had died that afternoon. Did he seem at peace, he asked. Yes, when I left the house around two o'clock, he called me over to his bedside, told me one of his corny jokes and kissed me on the cheek. When I got back from the store an hour later, I found him dead. But there was something strange, in fact, beyond strange, kind of weird. Apparently, just before Daddy died, he leaned over and rested his head on the chair beside the bed. And we're going to be looking at James chapter 5, 13 to 20. And in my Bible, it's, it's entitled the prayer of faith. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. As as James comes to the end of this letter, his focus is on Prayer and praise, which we do every Sunday evening. We worship God and have a conversation with Jesus. James says, is any one of you happy? Then you should sing songs of worship and praise. And happiness is a great gift. Laughter itself um, reduces stress, releases endorphins and infection-fighting antibodies. So laughter, praise, happiness is healing and healthy for us. James goes on to say, is anyone in trouble? You should pray. Don't we pray more often when our, our back's up against the wall, we've nowhere to turn, nothing to rely on, than we come to our knees in prayer to God. But I guess perhaps many of you find yourselves like me in that middle ground, lukewarm perhaps, not overly joyful, or on the outside at least, and we don't really have enough troubles to earnestly pray, pray without ceasing. Sometimes I feel on my prayer card it could be stamped, could do better, could do it differently. And all God says is just come, sit in my empty chair and talk to me. Sometimes illness provides that place to listen to God we have come to the end of our own strength. And we sit and we listen. And I'm learning it's more about seeking God's presence. As the psalmist said in Psalm 27, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to seek his face, to know that place of security and love, where our service should come from, rather than a duty to perform something that we feel guilty about. James reminds us of Elijah who prayed and for three and a half years it didn't rain. And then God came through for him again. He prayed and it rained and the crops were produced. And I looked at him and I thought, what a warrior in prayer. There's no stopping him. And you wonder why James put this cameo appearance in of Elijah. But James makes the point that Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly. Elijah was frail and humble, just like us. But Elijah had learnt to walk with God in the barren years, in those three and a half years. And God provided for his needs time and time again. Until the higher point on um, Mount Carmel, where he uh, challenged Jezebel's prophets And defeated them, and all was well, but yet we find him running away in fear, afraid of what was going to happen to him. And just like you and I, I guess, we have our highs and our lows, things we don't understand about life. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be faithful in prayer each day, even if it's just five minutes giving thanks and praise to God. We can learn to be content in God's love, grace and provision. We may not not at times be overflowing with joy, as at the wedding yesterday, which was a wonderful occasion, or so desperate that we have to turn to prayer because there's nowhere else to turn to. But yet we can still lift our eyes each day, take hold of God's promises, thank him for his promises and be assured of God's love. And just invite Jesus and God into our everyday situations. Knowing that he will walk with us and he's beside us. And if you read through the Psalms, the, Psalms, the Psalmists were great at sharing life just as it was. Its, pain, its pains, its problems, its highs and lows. And I guess we should learn to, to share that communion with God. But the prayer of faith... I would suggest, always leads us into the unknown. We don't know how God will answer prayer. And uh, the great chapter in um, Hebrews chapter 11 on faith, God came through for many of them, but it says they didn't always see what God had promised them in the end, but they carried on praying in faith. And we're called to deepen our relationship with Jesus, our friend, God the Father, and To be open, to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Having that open chair for a conversation. But we must remember always to worship God for who he is. Our Lord, our Saviour and our King. And not necessarily for what he provides to each one of us. Or what we'd like him to provide. And then comes a tricky verse. It says, if any of one of you is sick... He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. And we will offer that to people later. But part of me wanted to skip over this passage. Do I have enough faith to pray and make a sick person well? Does God still heal today? What is healing Some really big questions that can rock our faith or even destroy it if we're not careful. Why didn't God do this for me? Surely he doesn't love me. And I want to unpack what it means, healing and prayer, a little this morning. Chris helpfully reminded us last week that life is a gift, it's not a right. Each breath is a gift from God. And I guess we need to treat prayer and healing in that same light. They are a gift from God. God can heal and he does heal. But it's only a gift that can be exercised this side of heaven. There won't be any need for healing in heaven. Because we'll be with our Lord and our Saviour. And every tear and every pain will be wiped away in his glorious presence. But there is a danger when we come to anointing that we get caught up in the Hollywood version of anointing. When I grew up, I used to see the film where the priest used to come round and do the last rites for somebody and he to anoint them with oil or perhaps stay with someone in the last few hours of their life before they passed away. But prayer and anointing in the context of this letter was always intended for the person to get well and for them not to die peacefully. And um, sometimes we anoint one another in our life group. And as I reflected on anointing, I realised there was something deeper to it. There's something more tactile, more intimate about someone putting oil on your head and feeling God close to you through your senses rather than just relying on your mind to receive God's blessing through the anointing of oil. Or perhaps you've washed your hands in holy water to wash away the sins of your life, or you've had your feet washed. Whatever it is to engage God with our senses brings us closer to God than if only knowing him with our minds. And even in today in the Middle East, um, people cover themselves with olive oil so they don't overheat in the hot sun. There is some healing elements to oil. But it's not the oil and it's not the water that are the magic things. It's simply opening our heart to God's love and God's grace. And when I read this verse... It said, those to you who are sick, they will be brought to the elders. I naturally thought of physical sickness. But then when I read, read around it and read commentaries, it said that healing could be equally for emotional or spiritual or physical healing. And the elders or the presbytery that are referred to in this letter weren't the super apostles, weren't the bishops of the day, weren't the really... Seemed to be high up in the church. They were simply part of the local church. That fledgling church. Leaders that exercised their faith in action. Because there was no one else to do it. God had anointed them to anoint others. And anointing in, Jesus, in Jewish culture was very important. And the expression or the anointing today is still expressed in many other types of Christian faith. And there's something special in being anointed. But it still leaves the question, a prayer often in faith will make the sick person well. So when people aren't made well, is it that we didn't pray hard enough? Is it that we weren't faithful enough? And as I reflected, I don't think this is the case. Healing is a gift, such as life. Ultimately, we serve a God who loves us and wants the very best for each one of us and doesn't want to leave us disappointed or discouraged. The step of faith is both that the person asks for help and that the elders anoint. And we have to leave the outcome of what God wants to do in God's hands and I'm not trying to present an easy answer to a difficult question or a difficult situation and I don't understand how God heals in a particular way but he does and from my own experience I've been on a healing weekend and um, God revealed something to me that I knew nothing about I went there for some physical healing but God revealed revealed something emotionally to me, and I was definitely healed on that weekend, and it was a big step of faith for me. But if I was to ask myself, would I have chosen what I went to God for, for healing, or what God revealed to me that I really needed healing for, I would go with God every time, because God ultimately knows me better than I know myself. God could have healed me In this church, and he has in so many ways. And I didn't need to go to a special healing weekend to receive God's blessings. Because he does it here as well. But what I found was, when I went away, I found the space to be with God. And I guess when we're, we're sick or too ill or too weak to pray for ourselves, someone praying for us has such a blessing on us. And as James reminds us, as we draw close to God, God draws close to each one of us. God did not heal me of everything that weekend, but I have to trust that God did enough. And whilst I was preparing for this passage, I had a problem with my foot, and I thought, shall I um, anoint myself? And so I got the oil out, and I, and I dropped it, and it went everywhere. <laughs> and my wife doesn't know. But... <laughs> but um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I thought, well, what shall I, I do it for myself? Uh, and then I thought, and I thought, well, it was about half past five in the morning, and I thought, well, shall I go to the walking centre, or shall I pray for myself? And I have to confess, I went to the walking centre, because I knew what was wrong with me, and um, the, issue was, the, the issue was sorted. But I think today that doctors and nurses and advances in medicine are gifts of healing from God. But just like Elijah, they're human and they need our prayers. And I would suggest that we um, need to pray in faith as we go to a doctor, as much as when we call an elder to pray for us. But for me, the heart of the issue is that we call and we ask and we invite God into our situations Whether we need physical healing, spiritual or emotional, we are all battered and we've sung about the battle this morning that we have as Christians in this world. But isn't there a joy and a reassurance that through Christ we can find hope, peace, joy, freedom and healing and God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God not. God may not heal every time in the way that I think he should, but it does not mean that we should not come before God in faith for healing. And James goes on to say that we need to confess our sins if we are to receive healing in some places. And if you're anything like me, I hold on to my guilt, my sin, and I think I can sort it all out in my own strength. However, if I'm part of the body then my sin affects all of us, the body of Christ in this place. And even though we might not talk about it, I guess we're all susceptible to the seven deadly sins of pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath and sloth. Even if we don't talk about it, sin is ever present amongst us. And James knew the lifestyle choices that his listeners faced, and they're still relevant to us today. We are sinful people. We say and do the wrong things. We think the wrong things. And we don't fully live the life that God wants us to live. The things of this world starve us from a loving, eternal relationship. Just like the old man in the story, that he thought that he couldn't pray until a friend prayed with him and gave him the key to prayer to confess and to share our concerns through an empty chair i wonder in the hours that followed alone in his bed he began to have a conversation to pray and to talk to jesus his friend did he start with two hours a day probably not but the more the time you spend with somebody the more you get to know them, the more you want to chat and share your thoughts and your feelings with them. And even in our men's small group, we share a few deep things as we confess our sins to one another, our mistakes, and we pray and support one another. Or perhaps in the silence, lying on his bed with nothing said, the old man had the most meaningful conversations and confessions of his life with Jesus, knowing he was deeply loved. As he slipped away, his head on the chair close to his friend, he knew that he would soon be home and the chair next to him was never empty. Do we have that assurance that one day we will be home with Jesus, forgiven, healed, freed by God's grace, healed through the sacrifice that Christ paid on the cross in this letter james shares many practical truths he reminds us in these closing verses that we should call to god for help to share our needs and our issues with one another to pray for one another and to confess our need of each other as we pray for others we help people find a place of reconciliation a place of peace a place of freedom. God in his grace will also help us to turn from our misguided ways, our values that we hold on to. He will help us starve our sinful nature. And he will release us into a place of freedom and maturity where we can go, grow in grace and in the love of God. And a multitude of sins will be overlooked as we turn our face back to Jesus and trust him and pray in faith and as we leave this place just remember that it's never too late to pull up an empty chair and have that conversation with Jesus amen and one of the challenges of preaching God's word is that when it says the elders um, will anoint those that want to come forward You can't not do that really. So um, there'll be some elders if you'd like to be anointed with oil this morning or just pray a blessing upon you. Um, They'll be at the front. If you'd like to spend some time with the prayer ministry team, they'll be over there in the corner. Or you might want to sit quietly and pray with a friend. But whatever it is, as James reminds us, confess our need of God and people will pray for you and pray God's blessing upon you. Amen.